Welcome once again to another edition of the Suns Jam Session Podcast. I got to admit, Matthew, I know it's only been a couple days since we did a podcast, but it feels like it's been a week, man. It's forever, dude. The longest two days of my life. Seriously, like I... I just cannot wait for tonight. First, there's the Suns game, and then we go live with the Jamsters, dude. Heck yeah. That, that, that's <laughs> what this is all about. You know, it's it's interesting because there's such a long period that we went through in 2020 without having basketball. And now we're having it so often. I mean, the Suns just got off of, what, five games and seven nights. And, you know, you look at the next 10 games, and it's all in a, a course of 13 nights. So, I mean, there's plenty of uh, basketball that's out there. But I got to say, I love basketball. It's so much fun to watch the Phoenix Suns, especially when they're playing well like they did tonight against the Toronto Raptors. If you are under a rock and not joining us live and listen to this podcast the next day, the Suns did end up beating the Raptors 123 to 115, although at the back end of the game, it it didn't really feel as close as that. But uh, uh, a fantastic game. Way way to make those Raptors 1-6. Take that, Alex Len and Aaron Baines. Yeah, I know. What, what a way to show, right, from Aaron Baines. But um, this was tough, dude. When you're facing a team like the Raptors that come out, they need to prove something this game. They really do. They're they're down in the dumps, basically. And Siakam, he tried to prove it, but the rest of the team just couldn't back him up. But uh, it was a tough win for the Suns, dude. Something that was kind of sloppy in the end, but you know they got the W, dude. That's all that matters. No, for sure. Sloppy in the end and sloppy at the beginning as well. A little discombobulated again. So plenty of things to talk about as we embark on this episode of the Suns Jam Session podcast. And then again, thank you for joining us. If you haven't already, please follow us on Twitter at Suns Jam. You can subscribe on the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network wherever you get your podcasts. And you can subscribe on our YouTube page as well and make sure you smash the thumbs up button. We appreciate it. Uh, and there's also other content on there. I know we've put out some things recently analyzing DeAndre Ayton's game, uh, his defense thus far this season, which I think was tested uh, a lot to this evening because Pascal Siakam seemed to come down the lane anytime he wanted to. So uh, plenty to talk about on this episode. Uh, I got to say what's up to all the fellas out there. What up, fellas? What up, fellas? Let's do this. I'm going to pop open a beer. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Let's talk sons, baby. So January 6, 2021, the majority of the country might remember this day for something different. And I, I, I love sport because in these very divisive times and these weird and strange things, and uh, th- you know, if you're an American, it's not always the best day right now. And I'm not going to go into too much political things. But when you see these kind of things going on in the world, if it might frustrate you. But at the same time, you have the Phoenix Suns come out, and they are yeah. definitely the brightest part about this game I mean, or this day. I mean, it's, uh, it's been a hell of a day. Uh, and this has been a, this was a hell of a win. Don't you agree, Matthew? Yeah, it's been a crazy day. Um, sun's play today. Thank God to end the day because it was a little weird being at work and just hearing what was going on. I just couldn't believe it, but it it was all true and it was all very unnecessary. And 
we are sorry for everything, but honestly, the sun's kind of helped it a little bit with this wind tonight, right? A yeah, distra- distraction. Well, that. That distraction yeah. right? I mean, I mean, that's going through everything that we've gone through for the nearly a year now. I was talking to a guest today, and they were reminding me that they had just checked in and they're staying with us through March. And I was like, wow, March. Like, that's a year since this whole pandemic <laughs> began. Like, we're already 10 months into this thing. It's just, it feels like it's ongoing and, and never ending. But again, you know, thank you to the yeah. Suns for being a distraction. Sport has the uh, ability to unify and bring people together. And that's what happens when the Suns, you know, tip off the basketball and play. And we saw a great game today as they played the Toronto Raptors, a team that has a championship pedigree. Now, granted, they they're not the same team that they were that won the championship in 2019 yeah. right yeah no they're not not at all actually in the bubble they kind of squeezed out the last juice they had of anything in them uh this season they come out really flat a lot of people predicted them like john void over here to be better than the 76ers not working out so well right now but you're not getting a lot from the centers too as well baines had zero zero points but it was good to see baines back here in phoenix against deandre and his old buddy you know he was pushing him around a lot to start the game baines but i mean it didn't end up to doing any harm at all but you could tell he was trying to get his own way against Aiton. didn't really work out in his favor though yeah he probably wanted to come back to the valley and show him hey this is what you missed out on and unfortunately the way that he plays basketball doesn't really vibe it looks like yet with what the toronto raptors are i think one of the reasons that they're one and six now is due to the fact that they lost mark gasol and they lost serge Ibaka, and they have they've lost an interior and although on offense they still have kind of their big three if you will they have pascal siakam they have kyle lowry they have fred van vliet defensively yeah. they're just not the team on the interior that they used to be don't get me wrong they were definitely pesky to start the game and to end the game with their guard play. And I, I think that's where we should start is the start of the game. And, uh, you know, it was interesting to see how the Suns for the second straight uh, game came out a little bit discombobulated, started two for nine from the field. And is that something that concerns you moving forward? Because I know against the Clippers, it was the same thing. We came out, we were a little rusty. And against the Clippers, we got down big and we had to fight back. And it just so happened yeah. that we were playing a team tonight that didn't have the ability to pull of as far away from us as the Clippers did. But is this anything that you've, Jesus, you've, you've noticed or is this anything that <laughs> what's going on? Technical yeah, difficulties uh, yeah, I have like the, the ESPN app. Or oh, the I know. App. Yeah. It's always you know, great. When they start. Off start. It was yelling my ears. I'm sorry, dude. I'm sorry. <laughs> I use the Lord's name in vain. What was Jeez. your question, John? Live TV. Anything Live, can happen. Right? Anything can happen. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just, I'm just asking, do you think that the yeah. shaking start two games in a row is something we should be concerned about or something that the Suns will learn to navigate through? It's very strange, right, for them to start out that way. But honestly, they finish so well, I don't even worry about it. A lot of the times, other guys can step up. So I'm not too worried about the slow point guard play. But besides that, I think they're doing an awesome job in the second half, really bringing the team back into it. But you can't get down too big against some teams, like you said, against the Clippers. This time, we were lucky. I feel like the three was really going for us, of course, right? The three was fantastic. It was actually going down. So because of that reason, I feel like was the reason we won a course but besides that i think that also just their defense had to pick up to the suns it ended up being a sloppy game in the beginning and to the end too as well yeah i think jay crowder's the one who kind of took us out of our our slump yeah. and, and kudos to jay crowder tonight on an amazing game uh six three pointers and he had those through the first you know two and a half quarters when he got called yeah. for his fourth foul and he went to the bench he didn't come back in and attempt another three, but had ended with 21 points, three rebounds, one assist, one steal, 
but seven eleven from the from the field and six for nine from downtown. He's the one who kind of jump started our offense and created that floor spacing. And it's something that we've talked about. I know I wrote a piece on Bright Side of the Sun about this how the Suns have the ability to open up three pointers. Jay Crowder is going to be the beneficiary of that. When you have Devin Booker or Chris Paul drive into the lane, running those high screen and rolls with DeAndre Ayton, uh, you have to respect that, right? And and yeah. Jay is the one who who his defenders constantly collapsing. Well, that's for every uh, Phoenix Suns player right now. They are shooting the the lights out because basically they're open. All these shots from three are wide open. Cam Johnson, who has to be identified coming into the game as one of the best three-point shooters in the game, for the Suns, probably the best three-point shooter, is always wide open. So, I mean, you, you, you don't teach that, obviously, going into the game. It's not the game plan of any team, but the Suns are just so widespread with great three-point shooters. That's why you see DA get the ball, and you think, like, hey, shoot it, but he passes out to wide open three uh point shooter because you have mikhail bridges cam johnson jay crowder anybody on that court at any time can just nail a three and that is just something the suns have never had this year you can tell that teams just don't know what to do against it right i mean cam johnson is basically floating around the arc just wide open like i don't know i don't know what how these teams are leaving wide open but you have to because well, there's so many other guys to cover Exactly. I mean, yeah. if, if you don't leave him wide open and you stick to Cam Johnson's hip, Chris Paul's going to do whatever he wants. He's either going to take that mid-range shot, he's going to get it down to DeAndre Ayton, or he's going to – anybody who cheats on defense, we will burn you. And the Suns are continuing to prove yep. that. I mean, look, look at the total shooting percentage in this game. 52.5 from downtown and 48.2 from the field. That's ridiculous, man. Like, I can't tell you the last time – and, and if I had more time before this podcast, I'd probably research it. But I can't tell you yeah. the last time the Suns went and shot numbers like that. It's absolutely ridiculous. And it's because of the ability for these teams to be wide open. Re- remember the Steve Nash era? Remember how wide open Quentin Richardson or or Raja yeah. Bell would be or, or Jason Richardson? Yeah. Those are all guys who benefited for the sa- from the same exact thing. The high screen and roll with Nash and Amari equaled wide open shooters. This whole team is a bunch of shooters. I mean, James Jones has constructed this lineup to take advantage of that one fact. And tonight is, I wouldn't say a coronation, because a coronation would be breaking the record of total threes in a game for the Suns, and that record is 22 set in 2010. Uh, The Suns only ended with 21. So, I mean, they didn't make it all the way there. But still, it, it shows you that this is who, when the Suns are executing their offense, they want to be. Yeah, and what's what's great is Monty's letting them do it too. I think like of course the way basketball is played now, it's like you have to get up at least thirty threes a game. But what I like too is they they were in the first quarter and into the second quarter of not going to the free throw line. And I think in a game like this where I feel like the Raptors really had to have this win to get back into things, like we needed to find a way of course around that through their toughness and to try to draw fouls. And they ended up doing it, of course, later in the game. But the threes, I think, just really saved the Suns because there was no other way really for the Suns to score other than the threes or later in the game get to the foul line. I mean, I didn't see a lot of mid-range jumpers this game. It it was kind of different because, you know, a book, CP3, I I don't remember a whole lot of them today. Just threes and they get into the rim. Well, when you look, and I think that's why they started off as shaky as they did, is they weren't attacking. They weren't running downhill and trying to force the issue. They were settling for the outside shot. And when you miss a couple of those, uh, again, I don't think that the Raptors really took advantage of that and didn't go up big on the scoreboard. I mean, their biggest lead of the game ended up only being seven points, and that was early in the game. But that's exactly what happened, is they, they didn't attack. They didn't force the issue. They settled for the threes. 
And then about the third quarter, you really started to see Booker just go, you know what? Fuck it. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to make things happen. I'm going to start to yeah. shoot the middies. I'm going to start to take it to the rim. I'm going to start to put these guys in foul trouble because that is probably one of the blaring weaknesses of this team through the first eight games of the season. Now that we are six and two, which is just take a moment, Suns fans, six and two, like, Six and two, oh, baby. That feels, oh. that feels good. That feels good. Feels really but through good. but through these first eight games, the Suns have shot 153 free throws. The opposition has shot 188. So okay. 35 more than we have. That's that's a lot of free throws. That's something that yes. I'm sure Monty, uh, his coaching staff, will attempt to address and say, listen, guys, we have to pick and choose our spots, yes, but we need to force the issue a little bit more. We have the ability to shoot that outside three. Let's get some guys cutting off of those three balls. Yeah, it has to happen. I think it's more the Suns just not getting to the line themselves. I don't really blame the refs too much. There are sometimes, of course, Saric will get his ass kicked, but then kick ass at the same time and never get any calls. But besides that, I feel like just the team's not drawing the fouls. Booker did, of course, like he said in the third quarter, did 15 points in the third, and he got to the line. He had six more free throws too. So he he understood what he had to do. He had to take over. He had a big shot too towards the end of the game to seal the deal. But besides that, I think he was actually, he was, he was, I don't know if he does this on purpose, but he's like a two point first quarter guy now where he'll just go out and get two points, kind of feel the game. And what it reminds me of, he's not LeBron James, but you see LeBron doing it this year too. Well, LeBron won't really do too much in the first quarter, maybe even go into the second, but he'll just like kind of coast and then get into the game later on, fill the spots where he needs to be. And I, I think that's what Booker's really doing. I think maybe Chris Paul helps him in a way just to tell him like, Hey, this is when you need to take over. And I think it's helping him out. I think it's a very astute observation. I mean, a lot of people are frustrated with Booker in his first quarter, quarter and a half of play because he's only got the two points. And maybe he has a turnover, which, you know, shout out to Nathaniel Darius in the chat for pointing out, Booker only had one turnover tonight. So that's great. You know, we're seeing a little bit. Less than eight is always great for uh, Devin Booker, but yeah. at the same time, like he's fe- he's feeling out the game and seeing what the defense is trying to do to him, and, and know that the defense is coming out there attacking Booker. He gets the ball, he'll get doubled, and he has to pass out of it, and then he strategically is trying to figure out where his spots are and how he wants to attack. And I think that that is the the display of a, a somebody who's becoming a star who has is showing growth because he he's been getting double teams on him for you know, the last two and a half years. But now he has other players who can actually carry the load for him so he can be a little bit less ball dominant, figure out how to attack it, and he has time within the game. And we have time within the season for him to really figure out how to be that effect, efficient and effective score. I mean, he still ends with 24 points. He goes to the, yeah. the free throw line 10 times. And to your point, he's the only one who's really forcing the issue down there. Bridges went to the free throw line four times, but I think a couple of those were were late. Uh, CP3 went four times. Uh, Crowder two. Aiton had one free throw attempt. Sarge, the, the one on the and one. And then Campaign, two for two. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a lot of guys, you know, going back to that point, have, are going downhill and attacking. But at the same time, Booker is understanding that that's not how he needs to start the game out. He needs to work himself into that. Yeah, and only 14 field goal attempts. Like, you won't see this team really... Uh, besides maybe Chris Paul and assists leading, like maybe he's, I think he's fifth in the league right now with like 8.3 assists. 
going into this game. But besides that, you're not going to have any of these players really leading the league in any any stats. Uh, DA maybe even rebounds. But besides that, for shooting, I don't think you're going to have any leading scores in the top 10 or top 20 for this team. Maybe Book sneaks in the top 20. But you can tell they're not too worried about their stats. I mean, DA talks about it too. But Booker doesn't even... I mean, no, I don't think anyone's even asked him about his stats and if it even matters because this team's winning. So that all that you can tell that's all that matters to this team right now is just the winning. Absolutely. And good. Good. I, I, know, don't, good. I, I don't care about I, the stats. Yeah. We've had the stats. We've had Booker score 70. I saw that Bradley Beal scored 60 tonight for the Wizards and they lost. Yeah. I mean, we've been there. Yeah. So I don't worse. care about going for 30 points a game. Let, let's do what we did tonight. Let's have seven different players go for over 15 points or I'm sorry, double digits at least double digits at least the lowest was eight yeah. who only had 11 okay but you have crowder 21 uh booker had the 23 13 from bridges 12 from paul uh 15 from sarich 16 from cam johnson i mean that's how you win ball games is you keep the opposition guessing they don't know where it's coming from because and, and again we, we've been there we've had the statistical dominating nights by one player aka Devin Booker and then the Suns hang their head as and we as fans have to leave the arena disappointed because although it was a fun and and exciting performance to watch it it was a loss so yeah. at the end of the day the most important <laughs> statistic is that point or is that win total right yeah that's all they care about too and what contributed to the bench really I thought when it was going to the fourth quarter I really thought that once they started turning the ball over forcing turnovers when Sarich was just getting grilled underneath the basket every chance he could and yeah, then we like, talk make, about he's that. making his layups too but this second unit i thought when they came in and played the way they were playing in the fourth i did not think they were going to come back out i thought it was game over that's the way i thought what did you think like i think they were up by 11 or so and they were forcing turnovers making shots campaign had 11 or 10 assists excuse me and i just thought they were going to end it did you think that or did you think that the that they were going to let the starters back in again to try to finish it out. Well, I know at one point they got it to 15, but I think uh, there was a couple shots made by the Raptors in quick succession, and mm-hmm. that's when Monty decided to bring the starters back in, and they looked a little bit rusty coming back in. I don't. I think they were thinking right along with you. Was with about five minutes left in the game, they were probably thinking, yep. you know what, we're going to just be closing this out on the bench uh, and you know campaign. And kudos to campaign. Ten assists. Ten assists from your backup i mean how how amazing is that is having campaign come out and as, as we've doubted who this playmaker is going to be for the phoenix suns this year it ends up being campaign and he comes in off the bench and and 10 assists i mean i mean i can't i can't tell you how excited i am to see something like that oh me neither dude and he does it with ease and i think what he did is he listened to the jam session pod last time because we talked about his non-passing and he got 10 assists this game. He was looking to pass the ball. He didn't care about scoring. He hit his like a step back three to really get his first score of the game, a wide open shot to go along with the rest of them. But besides that, he was, I keep saying that besides that, I got to stop doing that. When he was, <laughs> when he was on the floor, he was looking to get his guys wide open. And that was a thing of the night. It's just the, the Suns were wide open almost the whole game. It was just whether or not they're going to go down or not. That was it. Yep. Yep. And, uh, I got to talk about Dario. You mentioned him a couple times. Dario's unfallible in the eyes of the refs. Like he can go up, go through three guys, you know, bumble, get smacked, and they never call a whistle. He finally got an and one today. I was so excited. Yeah. Because it never happens. That poor guy puts every, every point that Dario Sarge earns is truly earned because he gets fouled more than any guy I know. And yet, if, he'll, if he just puts his arm straight up, 
they're calling a foul on him. It's it's almost comical the treatment that Dario Saric gets. I know he's gonna be like when when the Suns make the playoffs, he'll probably be like the first guy they interview on ESPN after the game. I feel like he's gonna have one of those games where it's like, oh, Saric, like pay this guy again. He he needs more money than he's what he's getting, dude. I mean, he attempted eleven field goals and had fifteen points. And like, what's funny is we really thought of him like as a point Dario. Some games like this game, he's looking for a shot. He was trying to get to the rim. He missed a few layups in the beginning, but he'll jack up the threes. He'll he'll find his way to the rim and he'll get that ball over the rim. Now I don't know what he did. I don't know if he did more squats or something to get his lift up, but he's getting the, he's getting the ball on the rim now this year, dude, uh, underneath the rim, right? Well, like, maybe that's why he had the, the hamstring injury. Like he he was working a little yeah. too hard at the Suns' new workout facility and he pulled a hammy and now that it's fully healed air dario has the ability to actually make a layup inside yeah i mean that's always been his challenge he can get down there and he's a hard time finishing and, and trust me it was a struggle again today for him so yeah, no. uh, another guy i want to talk about is kind of you know our our every podcast we do this it is Aiden watch 2021 so of course deandre ayton uh, came out gangbusters, had seven rebounds in the game's first six minutes, ended with a total of 15 boards, uh, or I'm sorry, 16 boards, 16 boards, 14 of them on the yes. defense, and two offensive rebounds. And, uh, you know, I just, he, the guy continues to impress. Uh, infinite tranquility in the chat. How does Aiden do as much work as he did tonight and end up with only 11 points? That's all we needed from him. In all honesty, he was controlling the board, snagging the rebounds, uh, and trying to hold down that paint because that's where the Raptors saw a weakness. They wanted to attack that paint. And what impressed me is as many times as they went down there, I mean, he ended with five fouls, but he was never truly in foul trouble. And we've talked about that with DeAndre Ayton. There's a difference between fouling and and getting into foul trouble and learning to play with fouls. And I think tonight was a good exhibition of that. Oh yeah, I think so too. And what what really turned this all around on DA? Like, since the interview he's had that everyone's talked about about his defense and how he doesn't care about offense is defense. And you put out that great video too for us that really showed him broke it down in slow mo. It was a perfect video to really show where he switches and he makes a defender, or I'm sorry, he makes the opposing the opposition like adjust their shot. And what I love tonight is there was one play where he was actually he was he was about to take on I think it was Siakam. And Cam Johnson was on Siakam, but but Cam Johnson fouled Siakam before Siakam gets to Aiton under the basket, and Aiton was pissed yeah. after that. He was like, "I wanted to like defend him at the rim." Like he is looking forward to that games, and I think all the talk about his offense, eleven points before. I think if maybe the Suns lost, maybe like, what is he doing? But now we just understand this is what he's here for. Since he let it known, let it be known that he really wants to focus on defense. That's all I care about. That's all I'm watching now. It's him on defense. The offense is fine. If he wants to make the extra pass out of the paint, I'm okay with it, dude, because I, I love how he's so passionate at being the best defender he can be for this team. Yeah, and I wrote a piece for Brightside that came out this morning talking about just yes. that, how the the league looks at like Luca and Trey Young and they get a hard on because of the offense that they bring. And it's an inefficient offense. I mean, you mentioned earlier, Dem Booker had 24 points on only 14 shots. Yeah. You go and you Trey Young, he'll have 30 points on 28 shots. Luke will have 31 points on 27 shots. But they like the highlights. I mean, that's I what the NBA is. It is a highlight-driven league. And then you have DeAndre Ayton, who is like, listen, I'm not about the highlights. I'm about playing 
hard defense. I'm about anchoring this defense. I'm about learning what offensive sets are being run towards us, calling out where my defenders in front of me need to be and switching appropriately. And he's continuing to master this. I mean, this was his 117th game as a pro tonight. He's not even all the way through two years as a pro. <laughs> I know, Due to right. suspensions and COVID and injuries, he's not even two full seasons into his career. I mean, they were mentioning the same thing about Cam Johnson. This is like his 70th game. Like, he's not even a full season into his career. And to see how much he's come as a guy who was coming out of college and NBADraft.net said that he had very shoddy defense and they're confused about how he just didn't have a defensive IQ based on his physical attributes. We need to just stop saying we want everything to be a dunk with DeAndre Ayton and start watching him on the defensive end and go, oh, okay, because DeAndre Ayton is who he is, Mikael Bridges can be great. Jay Crowder can be great. Dem yes. Booker, Chris Paul, these guys can be great on defense because if they go to if, – if they body up a defender or they go for a steal and they miss, they got DA back there, and he has athletic enough, has the lateral quickness enough to stop these guys. And that, that's a great point that you brought up with Pascal. That's what I'm watching now when I watch DA. It, it's funny because I was actually going through McHale highlights because I wanted to put together a McHale highlight video. And as I was doing it yesterday, I was like, oh, my God, dude, look at DA. <laughs> yeah, one of these today. Yeah. yeah. I was like, dude, like, I don't believe this is happening. So I had to put together a DeAndre Ayton one. So if you get a chance, people, stop by uh, our YouTube page and take a look at that. And, you know, this is a reminder to everybody who is watching. Uh, you know, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We appreciate it. You can follow us on Twitter, at Suns Jam. Uh, if you listen on the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network, stop by our YouTube page. It's YouTube.com or whatever, like the Suns Jam session. And hit subscribe. Hit the thumbs up button. Helps with algorithms, all that good stuff. But we really appreciate it. One um, more thing. Uh, before you oh, move please. on to... Just for DA, the defense, where does it matter? It's the playoffs. Him getting used to being the defensive anchor, that's going to be huge in the playoffs for the Suns. Like That's really overlooked, I think, for him to actually get situated with that defense before the playoffs roll around. I know I keep saying playoffs, but I mean, come on. Come I mean, on. We're 62. It's a long ways away. I, but... know. I know it is, but that's the focus right now is the championship. So. Absolutely. Yes, let's get to the playoffs and go win a go win a chip. So, um, I'm just going to give a shout out to a lot of our loyal listeners in here. We have Nathaniel Darley's Suns win six to two. Um, let's see what else we Beautiful. got going. There, there, there's fellas, you know what up, fellas, to Vincent Stefanelli. Um, fellas, fellas, ladies at my work, fellas. There's no guys really. So, Blaze <laughs> <laughs> Megatron giving a shout out. You know, Rick, yeah. all, all, all of our loyal listeners. Uh, we have Steph saying, "Noise sign, Lissy. That's a nice sign he got back there, that Phoenix Sun oh, sign. thanks, dude. You know what That's the neon really lights? Cool. I got to get a new camera because the neon lights don't pick up too well. It kind of gets a little bit blurry, but um, let me know if the TV's too distracting. I mean, I'm kind of zoned in now, but just to distract from, uh, I don't know. Never mind. Just keep going uh, with the pod, okay. dude. Austin Phyllis, seven guys in double figures. Again, what's fantastic <laughs> about this team is, is we can score in so many different ways. Raymond Gonzalez, that second unit should be the, called the dog pound. Dog pound, dude. Uh, That's good. You have Tyler Ryan. If Jay Crowder shoots six from nine from three, they better win. Amen to that. <laughs> and yeah. they did. That would that would suck to have Jay Crowder go out there shoot six from nine yeah. and we go out and lose. I mean, th those are the kind of things that used to happen back in the dizzle. Uh, Levi Smith, fellas, you got you got Travis. It's a fellas night. It is a fellas night. We got Viking. You know, thumbs it up, boys. Hit the thumbs that thumbs up button. But this is just, it's a great night for uh, for the Phoenix Suns, and we'll continue to talk about it here on the Suns Jam Session Podcast. Um, I want to talk a little bit though about the Raptors, if that's okay with you, Matthew. Yes, sir. 
Okay, so in the first half, you had Siakam, Van Vliet, and Lowry score 42 of the 56 points for the Raptors. And I kind of felt at that point the Suns were going to win because they're, it's just not sustainable. Okay, I just, I mean, did you think it was? No, not at all. Actually, when we were talking about the fourth quarter, how the, the bench came out and just started rolling away with it, that's when I was like, okay, like they have nothing else. That's where I felt like they were hopeless. In the beginning, you could tell Siakam was out just for heads. He was basically trying to win the game in the first quarter. That didn't help. I think that was Mikhail's toughest matchup. But that's what the Raptors have to do right now. Now they're talking about what do the Raptors need to add to this team. I heard today on a podcast that maybe James Harden is somebody I don't think so. I think maybe you just need to go a different way, maybe not rebuild, but try to move different pieces to make it so that you can start winning again. Because now you're you're in the dumps, dude. I think the East is a little bit tough too. There are some crappy teams in the East, but the ones that are difficult to play are, you know, you you have to get up to their status quickly before the season's already over because there's only 72 games. So I kind of feel bad for the Raptors, but dude, this game for the Raptors, like I said, was a must win. That's why I feel like, the Suns don't really have a night off about against any team now, right? So Especially true. Against the so true. Every team, and we play the Pistons next, and they're a team that's searching for their second win. So yeah, they're they're in dire straits, and they're going to be hustling, and they're going to be fighting and clawing and falling all over the floor like Kyle Lowry does. I mean, Ooh, he falls over the floor like that a little part, isn't he? He he, he is, man. He's so annoying <laughs> yeah, to watch. He's he loves the floor <laughs> more than a fat kid loves cake, and I think he loves cake too. Yeah, he looks like a. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say he looks like a fat kick, like fat kid crying for cake on the floor. Like that's what he looks like. Throwing a fit. Yeah, all the time. Every Sorry, time he, he's just, he, well, but he's running down and just like diving out of bounds. And, yeah, and we and we're just putting our hands up. I mean, Eddie Johnson made a great point around the end of the game. He's like, listen, when fans are back in the stadium and you have press row down there, you're not gonna have an opportunity to dive in the fans. I haven't seen a team do what the Raptors have done. Ever. I, Pascal yeah. Siakam and uh, Van Vliet did it a little bit, but Kyle Lowry, I mean, they were just running down to the lane and then fall, flopping. I mean, it was just, man. Trying to slow the Suns down, I think. And then I think EJ even said it was like a quarter of the game. He's like, most big men can't control their body. And they, that's why they wear elbow pads and stuff. That was when uh, DA came yeah. down and hit him in the head with his hand. And I think Lowry did that on purpose. He was waiting for that arm to, and the hand to fall down. So they're just trying to slow down the game and get the Suns out of their out of their great groove, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's what, you know, again, a pesky team like them, a, a team that's been to an NBA Finals and multiple players on that roster have, that's what they're going to try to do. Uh, Benjamin yeah. Chanel in the chat can't hate Lowry and like CP, CP3. Uh, I, I can think that Lowry is annoying just like CP3 is. Because When you're the opposing team, you can hate him. Like yeah. A lot of people didn't like Chris Paul before he came to the Suns. Now I think I was he's the one cutest of them. little guy I've ever seen in my life. I love State Farm commercials now. They're, I love I, like, I think I, he's hilarious. He should win an Emmy. I, I look forward to them every time. <laughs> I've seen the same one like 30 times. I mean, come on. Give me some more CP3 commercials. But yes. Kyle Lowry is just one of those annoying players and, and and a credit to him in the way that he plays because it works just like James Harden, Trey Young, Luka Doncic. It works for them. The, the, the way that they foul bait Kyle Lowry just does it in a different way. He just belly flops, which is, I, yeah. I don't, I don't know how he's, <laughs> isn't he like 34 or 35? Yeah. They said he was, I did not know that this is a 15th season in the league. I have no idea. I know he was on the Raptors for a long time, but not that long. That's yeah. amazing. He's still yeah. doing a good job. <laughs> he's Out still there. he's still flopping around that's that's that's, yeah, really, 
It's really tough. Um, Pascal Siakam, again, he's somebody who they were talking about in the pregame, about how he just hasn't been performing up to expectations. I know that I was listening to, I believe it was the Bill Simmons podcast, where they were talking about how he was uh, having a hard time in the bubble, and that's why he didn't really perform well there. And then all of a sudden, he comes out and goes against the Suns and decides that, you know what, this is the game where I'm going to drop 32 uh, points on a team. (laughs) on 21 total shots, so an efficient 32. And, of course, I was just like, okay, this is going to be one of those guys who comes out and is fire against the Suns. But, again, it didn't – it it was him alone. That's where that that team aspect is really missing. And, as you mentioned, you know, do they need to blow it up? Do they need to figure out – I'll tell you what what they need. It's it's really simple. They don't need ex-Suns centers at center. I mean, that's what it comes down to for Toronto because the East is a little bit – not not as tough, obviously, as the West, but when you have Alex Len and Aaron Baines as your centers, like, I'm sorry, Aaron Baines, or I'm sorry, Alex Len, one of the first entry passes to him, and he fumbled it. It just, I had flashbacks to like 2015. I was like, oh, that's, oh, no. Oh, oh, he, yeah. he just can't catch the ball ever. You give him a great entry pass. Like, I just, it was, it was, I'm so yeah, glad he's not on our team anymore. That's uh, Skeets from No Dunks. He's a Toronto Raptors fan. He was talking about um, how he's always hated Alex Len. But now he's on his team. It's like he kind of got to deal with it. That would suck, though. Just to hate a player for so long, and they just roll their way onto your team. They have to deal with their BS. Because yeah, it's the same stuff, dude. He couldn't grab one rebound really in this game over anybody, or just even when he was in position to grab the rebound, it would go right off his knee every time. Well, he did great. have one rebound. It appears in this. He had one yeah. rebound, one point. So former former Suns centers tonight, Aaron Baines and Alex Len. Had six total rebounds and one point combined. That's pretty good. There you go. Stat of the yeah. pod right there. Miss you, Baines. <laughs> I do miss Baines a little bit, but mm-hmm. I like what we have. Uh, so, um, again, yeah. Crowder had six total three-pointers. The most threes made in a game by a son is nine. Yeah. What three sons hold that record? It's actually four because there was a playoff game, too. Uh, Kelly Oubre, Devin Booker. I don't even know. I'm not even going to guess. Who is it? It's Quentin Richardson, Channing Fry, Aaron Baines, and Rex Chapman did it in a 19, I think, 95 okay. playoff game against the Sonics. So that's something that's going to be between that statistic and the total number of three-pointers made in a game by the team as a total. Somebody's going to challenge those this year because the Suns are firing yeah. threes. I mean, I've, I've never seen them shoot as many threes as they do. Again, tonight, they shot a total of 40 threes. Earlier in the year, they shot 47 and 44. And 44 was the highest they'd shot since 2000 and I think six or something. So, I mean, this team is designed to shoot threes. Uh, and, and it's not even Booker at this point. You know, Booker, his grand total from beyond the arc was three for eight. And he's not even hitting them yet. Yeah, no, he's not. He's he's super cold. I think it's just because there's something to do with him not shooting really in the first half and then him coming out and trying to force stuff. He's never really getting in a groove yet with his three, but he kind of lost that last year. I feel like Booker's not even the three-point shooter he was when he won the three-point contest. Even that year, like he, he kind of fell off a little bit. But besides that, I feel like he oh, I did it again. But Booker really moved on to doing other things on the court. I think that just takes away from your three when you're trying to develop other things and of what Monty wanted him to do. So that's what he's doing now. So I'm not worried about it. When Booker's open, he'll shoot it. He'll probably knock it down. That's all I'm worried about. He shot that half-court one. was pretty amazing. 
That was a two for that was one. Awesome. The two for one. He's done that in the past. He hasn't really made them. I think this is like the third time I've seen him make that. So that that is great news for the Suns. To where if he can hit that long, the far, far away, he's still confident in his shot, right? Yeah, he, he never stops shooting. I mean, shoot or shoot. Devin Booker's got full confidence, and beyond that. He's really good at hitting those, you know, two for ones. He's cerebral. He doesn't always hit them, but he always takes them. And I, I really appreciate yeah. that. That's smart basketball. It's like the anti Cliff Kingsbury for the Cardinals. It's like, hey, let's do something smart on third and 18 instead of run the ball with oh, our broken man. quarterback. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. Get flashbacks. It out. Get out, flashbacks. It's all right. We but, got this. Uh, no. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm, I'm almost glad the Cardinals season's over. Okay. Um, how about, how about, I want to talk real quick about Javon yeah. Carter calling for the ball. Yeah. He's calling for the ball the whole game. He was open the whole game and he finally, they finally like reluctantly got him the ball and he had a big three when that happened. And yeah. he ends the game with uh two for four from the field, all of them from downtown, six total points. Um, But I was really just like, get him the ball, get Javon the ball, man. <laughs> yeah. I kind of felt bad. I don't know. It was like, um, they were just playing games with him or something, or maybe they just didn't see him. I, I, it's not like the team would ever lose confidence in Javon Carter. That's not this team's MO. They would make sure to keep feeding him the ball to get him in the groove back into the season to be the playmaker assist leader that I wanted him to be. But he's not. He's a, he's a two yard to where he's going to be besides Cameron Payne, beside Cameron Payne. And they're going to be like the best defenders in the backcourt, of course. But besides that, oh my God, I got to quit this. After this, I'm going to do reps. After this, just reps of like... Not, well, besides not, that... <laughs> yeah, but he he's jacking up the threes. I think they just need to keep feeding him. He still makes a little bit... He, he has a mishap when trying to handle the ball. He, he kind of lost control a few times. So he's kind of lost that since preseason. So he's not back to the same way he was in preseason at all. So just jack threes up. And then they're going to go in. I mean, everyone's open on this team. Yeah, again, I think that's such a, a huge factor for this team is they're going to have the opportunity to shoot them, and they're open. I mean, what better yeah. scenario can you have as a player? I, uh, I like what Viking SDW says in the chat. Javon is such a savage on defense. I love it when him and campaign are out there. I mean, it is just so much too. fun. You I had that one play not. where they they pressed them full court. They're annoying them. And trust me, when you have Kyle Lowry and guys like that out there getting – pestered and annoyed and they're normally the ones who do those kind of things i mean that that's what toronto's known for yeah. is a backcourt with him and with uh kyle lowry and fred van vliet they're known to pester and play full court and, and they're known for their guard defense and then you had javon carter and campaign out there doing it with dario Saric, like the big brother coming over and it was just like that one defensive set was something i thoroughly enjoyed seeing because it kind of personified our second unit right Oh, yeah, it really does, dude. And you know who else does is Cam Johnson, too. But what's funny is someone, we were asking who the jam stars are going to be of the game, or the mm -hmm. jam stars, and he said Cam. And I really think it was both the cams. You put them two together, the 10 assists and the 16 points from Cam Johnson, like that is what you need off from even one player off the bench. And they gave it to you in two, uh, dispersed throughout the game with different minutes. So when you have that, it's just you can't ask for anything else, I think, when you want these guys to come off the bench and really – Cam Johnson, I was actually writing that in my notes. I was like, does he have to go 0 for 3 or 0 for 5 to get hot? And on his third attempt, he got hot. So <laughs> good thing I write stuff down to in, in existence, right? It always happens the opposite. Yeah, exactly. You need to sit there and be like, the Suns will not win the NBA championship. Yeah, exactly. some note somewhere. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, we're going to be seeing Devin Booker hosting the Larry O'Brien trophy over his head and be like, see, Matthew, you speak it into anti-existence. <laughs> But I think that's a good transition. It's time for our jam star of the game, sponsored by uh, nobody. We have a sponsor. John's Daybed. Jam <laughs> star of the game, sponsored by John's Daybed. So, Matthew, who do you give the jam star of the game to? 
I think I'm going to give it to uh, Campaign, actually. I think we really needed him off the bench as a tribute to the three-point shooters, and he just helped out in that way. It was something unbelievable because I was watching him play, obviously, and I was just like, how many assists does this guy have? Because I feel like they're making everything off of his pass, and he had 10. So I have to give it to him, dude. I mean, he had the most assists for the for the game. Let me just check his minutes. He only had 16 minutes, wow, which is even more impressive. 16 minutes. Wow. That is insane. So he's my jam star of the game. How about you, John? Well, it looks like Mook Allen in the chat agrees with you. Uh, you got you got Viking STW. He says Crowder. Yeah. Um, I think it's tough. It's tough. I mean, Jay Crowder's the obvious one here. I mean, he set the tone early. He was early, uh, open often and making the shots six for nine for downtown. <laughs> Uh, I, I think I'm going to have to go with Jay Crowder. I really want to give it to Dario Saric. Just the hustle he put in, his you know 15 points in 17 minutes. I thought that he really was kind of a tone setter when that bench came in. Uh, he does everything. He hustles. Uh, he leads the way for that second team unit from the front line. But, I mean, Jay Crowder's got to be mine. Looks like a lot more people are agreeing with you. Uh, Payne for sure. Um, yeah, he got us over that hump. He we carried got, we got, us. A lot we, got games, we got an Aiden for Jam Star. Uh, that's that's good. a good one too. So eleven and sixteen. I mean, that you can't argue it's hard with that. To but it's it hard is to choose with this team. When when you have seven guys in 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 double figures, like yeah, it's it's tough to choose. Like this is a great game <laughs> yeah. for, the, for the Suns. And again, this is expected. I, I tweeted something out before the game where the Suns had a forty five percent chance of winning it via like ESPN's BPI, yeah, yeah. whatever the fuck that is. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm like 45%. Like I know that we're five and two and they're one and five and it's early in the season. And those things probably don't matter, but at the same time, like we're at home, we are a more complete Ross. I just, I didn't understand it. And then we come out I mean, we could have won by more, but again, you know what it is? What is it? It's because they have those comments from Kyle Lowry that are going viral. Just of him saying, how depressed he is to be on this team right now when everyone looks at him as chum, basically. When those things go viral and they're on ESPN, NBA TV, those comments will go into the heads of like whoever's writing that stuff and just be like, you know what? I think they're going to come out and take this game because of that. They need this game that bad. But they forget the Suns are tied with the Lakers right now, six and two. Mm -hmm. You know? So. And you have to be a complete team to be the Suns. And I think that's one of the important things that you learned tonight. Again, you had Van Vliet, you had Siakam, you had Lowry. They were doing everything they can, but because they didn't have a complete roster, they couldn't complete the comeback and they couldn't overcome the Suns because the Suns can hit you from seven different angles. When you can only hit them from three, the odds are not ever in your favor. So uh, it's time to bring back another segment. This is where we... Just talk about a couple things NBA related as it might be as it might affect the Suns as well. Uh, we haven't done it since we've got, been doing a lot of these live podcasts, but it's time back. for thoughts. Um, brains. So obviously, there's a lot of different things going on in the NBA right now. There's teams that you know, like the Lakers, who are six and two. There's teams that are surprising. There's teams that are uh, not performing as well. Who surprised you the most? this far uh team wise i really think it's my pick to win the champion or to go to the championship from the east is the philadelphia 76ers i didn't think they were going to come out this great i mean right now they're seven and one right six seven and one yeah, yeah so they just won five in a row so they are really just tearing it up i think that their defense is exceptional uh they're getting together on offense you're really seeing a different team play 
Embiid and Ben Simmons are just playing the right way on the court from what I hear because I haven't got to watch them yet. But I'm very surprised that they came out and they're already 7-1. and one. That just has blown my mind. What about you? Who are you looking no, at? Well, they're, they're definitely something that I thought wasn't going to be this productive. You know, you have Daryl Morey coming in there. You traded off Al Horford. You traded off um, who Josh Richardson. So they yeah. were getting rid of some pieces. And the pieces that were coming in, I thought were good fits, but I didn't think that they were this good of fits. And they beat Boston tonight. No, who did they play tonight? No, they play the Wizards. Wizards the Wizards. Back. Yeah, that's yeah. right. The Wizards and, and Bradley Beal and his 60 points uh, did everything he could. Although he, I think he only had like three or four in the fourth quarter. He had 57 going into the, the fourth quarter in that game. Yeah. But yeah, Philly, Philly's one of those teams that's kind of turned my head. Uh, Orlando has been playing really well, yeah. although it's unfortunate to hear that Markel Fultz went down today with a non-contact injury. He, uh, he's out for the season with a torn ACL. Um, that is so depressing, dude. It is. because I hate that. I do too, and it's it's unfortunate because Markel Fultz is just one of those guys who's had to fight through so much adversity. He's the number one overall pick in the draft, and then he gets the yips, and he can't shoot, and he gets traded down to Orlando, and then they they spend the time with him, and he starts to come back, and he's had a really good first seven games of the season, and then the first quarter he blows out his ACL. Uh, but at the same time, it opens up the door for their first-round pick, Cole Anthony, because they also had Michael Carter-Williams to run the point, too, and he's injured. So Cole Anthony's going to get plenty of playing time there. Aaron Gordon's playing well. Uh, Vucevic is going crazy down there. You look at his numbers, and you're like, oh, man, he's like 21 and 12, and no one even talks about it. But I also then I looked at their schedule. I'm like, okay, they're it's been pretty easy. They've had a couple wins against Cleveland, um, nothing nothing too crazy. I think Memphis is another team that's I'm kind of shocked. They're 2-5. and five. But then you look at their schedule, and they've played a lot of tough teams. They've lost back-to-backs to the Lakers. Like That sucks when you have a back-to-back to the Lakers. <laughs> you know, you know, we had the home-and-home home with the uh, the Kings, and we're going to have one with Denver next week, or I believe. Like, man, that's that's kind of that's kind of shitty. But uh, I, and I had Philly on my list. I think Brooklyn at four and four is something I'm kind of shocked by. That team looks like to me world beaters, and they're just kind of a team that I feel like when you have Kevin Durant and you have uh, the other one, Kyrie. Think, Kyrie. Kyrie. I was thinking Kyle Lowry because I've been saying it all. Yeah. Night. Kyrie Irving. I feel like focus is going to be a challenge, and you have a new head coach in Steve Nash and Amari Stoudemire, and I think like focus is going to be tough because those are both guys who've made deep runs to the playoffs and won NBA championships. And to be engaged with the regular season, Kevin Durant said it before on podcast how that's a tough challenge to to face. Now he's got COVID. That's another tough challenge to face, or at least he has. Yeah, he's been contact traced to people who have COVID. But I think that. Seeing what Brooklyn does is going to be uh, something I'm going to continue to watch because they are kind of like the sons of the West, right? Um, yeah, kind of. I don't know. I don't really know the comparison of the Suns. I well, mean, they got Steve they, Nash. They've got yeah. Oh, yeah. They got Mike D'Antoni. Oh, They're the God. team I root for in the East, asshole. Yeah. So I thought you meant like on the floor, on oh, the no. court, the matchups and stuff. <laughs> oh, is it because Steve Nash is our head coach? Oh, yeah. yeah. There's a connection. Yeah, I'm an idiot. Um, yeah, no, I, I kind of thought, you know, the net, the nets are going to have just those times where they're just not going to play. And I, it's not going to have to do with the coaching. It's just going to be, who's going to sit out. I mean, Kyrie and Kevin Durant both set out the same game one day because they just didn't want to play. And now they're four and four. And now he has COVID. So it's like, I really thought KD would come into this game or come into the season. Like I want to play every game besides the COVID, but I didn't think he would take any nights off because he missed the whole season. I thought he would just be back out there being an MVP caliber player that he is. And I thought he would try to attack, attack that award. A lot of people had him as the MVP this year. So that really takes away from it. Him missing these games, who knows when he'll be back. But I, I love the Nets too, but I just think Philly is the best team in the East right now. It's not 
saying it's going to happen the rest of the year, but they're just seem to look out for it. Besides the Milwaukee, Milwaukee Bucks, who fold in the playoffs every year. Yeah, they're not playing inspired ball yet because they're trying to figure out who they are, really. I mean, they've lost a big chunk. of George Hill is gone. Bledsoe's yeah. gone. And, you know, they're trying to figure out how to operate with Giannis. And that's that that's not easy for a team to understand how who you are and what your role is when you have the greatest player on the planet standing 10 feet from you the entire game. I like what Travis said in the chat. He said uh, that the Nets are the Suns retirement home. And that's very true. That's where they all go after they retire. So. Pretty, huh? Yeah. What about uh? What about players? Who? Wh- which player have you seen that you feel has made the the next step in their career? Oh man, you know the player that's really surprised me this year is the guy John Wall that we haven't seen playing forever. Now he's already came out. He's twenty one and six right now, putting up twenty one points, six assists, thirty five minutes a game. Like he doesn't look like he really lost a whole lot. There are some plays that I will see in highlights where I'm like, wow. Like I didn't know like he still had that in him. He's still a great player. I think for what he's doing for the Rockets, I mean, who knows what James Harden's going to do, but John Wall is someone that really stuck out to me so far this year because I'm excited to watch him. I mean, when he was so good, I barely remember. So if he can get maybe just about 90% of that, that would be fantastic, dude. So I can actually watch him again and hopefully carry a Rockets team too without James Harden whenever he gets traded. Um, but another guy too um, is the rookie LaMelo Ball. I think he's a lot of fun still too. I mean, he's putting up 13 points, five assists. So I think they're not winning right now, of course, with the Hornets. I really like their roster and yeah. I like how they overpaid Hayward. I like that. I feel like you got to overpay to get names on your team to get things going. And they just haven't got it going yet. I mean, of course they haven't. It's the Hornets. But I think LaMelo is going to contribute a lot in the future to winning there. And I hope it happens. So he's, he, I'm, I'm happy he's off to a really good start right now. Well, I mean, Charlotte beat uh, Atlanta today. So, yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah, they did. And Gordon Hayward, I mean, he's somebody. He had 44 points tonight, man. Did Gordon he Hayward. Oh, yeah, he finished man. with 44. So That's their third win, right? I think they only had two. I th- yeah, <laughs> yeah. I th- yeah, I think so. But, I mean, they yeah, beat the Hawks. That's a team we're going to be playing here yeah. in a couple games. And uh, I think that both of those guys – John Wall is somebody who I absolutely loved when he played with Washington when he was healthy. He's somebody who I think the Suns – we we've been in the lottery for 10 years. So what am I talking about? I think the Suns. he's somebody, I wish the Suns got the number one pick and had an opportunity to get. Cause I loved John wall coming out of college. Um, and to see him play yeah. the way he's playing, it, you're seeing Harden be less Harden. He's not being ball dominant. When you have like John wall, who's a true point guard. I think that Harden's kind of like, okay, I'll be the two guard. And it's, it's been interesting. Houston's actually kind of fun to watch that. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm going to come. That's my conclusion is, is they're actually kind of finally, enjoyable to watch um yeah there a, a couple guys that i want to bring up and i see a couple people have already mentioned them in the chat uh, infinite tranquility julius randall is having yeah. himself a year there's certain guys in this league who i think both of us absolutely love and i was mentioning this today uh to somebody who's a lakers fan and they were uh, you know how when the lakers were drafting at right around the suns and they ended up with d'angelo russell lonzo ball um Brandon Ingram and Julius Randle. Remember how pissed we were because we all we thought that those were all better draft picks in the Suns, and they were correct. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. were really upset. I love yeah. Julius Randle coming out of the draft. Me too. And he's finally putting it together for the New York Knicks. I mean, this season alone, he's averaging twenty-two points, nine point six rebounds, and uh, seven point four assists. And then tonight against the Jazz, the Knicks beat the Jazz by twelve points, and Randle went for thirty. And 16. I mean, yeah. 
just bonkers, this guy. And, <laughs> and you know, he's finally putting it all together. Um, Blaze Megatron mentioned in the chat earlier, the Knicks have a better record than the Nets. Like, what the yeah. hell's going on? No, and I know. I think, weird start. Yeah, go ahead, sir. Yeah, no, it's just, it's fun to see Julius Randle do what he does. He's somebody who, every time we would bring him up in Sun's Twitter, or I, I think I wrote, uh, you know, kind of off-season targets for, this, for Bright Side of the Sun, I, a lot of people kind of will trash it like Julius Randle. He's garbage. He might be, and he probably wouldn't fit within the confines of the Suns offense. In fact, he wouldn't. He's not a good three point shooter. He's over five from tonight, and that's okay. He's not on the on the Suns. But you know what? I still can admire him from afar. Uh, Steph's sixty two. I think that was fantastic to see Steph Curry come out and score 62 points in a game. It's yeah. unsustainable. He's fun to watch. He's the best shooter of all time. I don't care what you think. He is. It's going to be unsustainable for that team, I think, in the long run. Uh, and then DeMontis Sabonis. This guy is just a freak, man. Like, he is – like, we play the Pacers two times, I think, in the next 10 games. It might be – let's see. Let's pull up the old schedule here. That's a fearful team right there. It is. So we play the yeah. Pistons next – and then we have a back-to-back with Detroit and Indiana. And then we play Golden State, and then we have a, their back-to-back is with Indiana again. So we face Indiana twice on the back end of back-to-backs, and we have to go against DeMontis Sabonis. And the guy is just a straight-up beast, man. Yeah, I mean, he's the, the Pacers have like the Suns' name. I know this, the Suns have sucked for a long time, but the Suns just struggle against the Pacers. And whether or not TJ Warren's going to be back or not doesn't matter because Sabonis just has his way with the team. We went to that game, right, where they just manhandled us last year. And Sabonis was that reason. He's obviously an all-star. He's turning himself into a superstar this year. Last year, he saw strides of it. So, I mean, that's a great pick, dude, because I think he's just – when you have a guy that you just can't contain, you can't game plan for really, especially someone that's as big as him, it's just he's unstoppable. He's he's the ultimate number five for your team, dude. I, I really think so. He has the biggest head of anybody <laughs> I've ever seen. I never like, noticed. Watch DeMontis Sabonis. You'll sit there and you'll look at it like it kind of makes sense for his it, – it's big for even his body. And then you see him stand next to another player and you're like, okay, I understand that this guy is what, six foot eleven, but his head – like I actually Googled it today. I want to see what his hat size was, and it, it wasn't out there. So if anybody can tell me what DeMontis Sabonis's head size is or his hat size is, I'd like to buy him a hat. Yeah. You know? I think he's doing like fasting or something. I think he's just a thinner guy. He must fast and lift weights, and he's just chiseled. With his head. And then his head is just huge because he's just a little bit thinner maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But we'll see We'll see him in a couple games. But uh, up next for the Suns, is we have the Detroit Pistons. We are traveling yeah. to Detroit 5 p.m. on t- uh, Friday. So that'll actually be kind of nice if you're – I like if that. You- yeah, if you if you enjoy joining the Suns Jam Session podcast live as we record these, we'll be on right around seven thirty, right right after your supper. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I love these like uh, East Coast games, especially right now when it's the five o'clock starts. It's beautiful, dude. But the Detroit Pistons, another hungry team, right? I mean, a hungry team when they're one and seven, they're looking one for another win. Seven. They're ready to get on track. Josh Jackson. I'm sure he'll be shooting those little crossover fadeaway shots. Maybe he'll hit a couple. Who knows? But I'm not too worried about this team. Is there anything that stands out to you about them, really? Not really. Uh, Killian Hayes is someone who I actually am, I'm excited to see just because there was so much chatter amongst you know the Suns draft experts, a.k.a. us who don't get paid to make those decisions. And everybody was really high on Killian Hayes and – He's getting a lot of playing time there. He was actually my pick for rookie of the year just for that simple reason. I knew that he would have the opportunity to get plenty of playing time there. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting. I know that Josh Jackson, he's out currently with an ankle issue. 
Is he um, out? Okay. That's yeah, shows he, how much he, he was out. For, well, he, he was out for today's game. Um, okay. So I, I don't know how long it's he's been. It looks like Killian Hayes um, has suffered a labral tear in his hip, according to Shams. What? And that was that was today. So it looks like we won't see Killian Hayes. So what I was looking forward to seeing on this team, I won't. So the two things I really wanted to see on this team, Killian Hayes and Josh Jackson, they're both injured. <laughs> well, shit. I guess we'll just watch well, a bunch of Jeremy Grant, and Blake Griffin, and, and, and Mason Plumlee. Yeah, exactly. We get to see a lot of our bench, too, hopefully. You know, get some rest for the starters for the next game, the back-to-back. Yeah, that's going to be... Ugh. Yeah, everyone's talking about the chat. They're like, come on, John, you idiot. It's, Killian Hayes is out. Um, I do want to like... Year? Dude, there's so much going on in the NBA right now. Like, I'm sorry if we're a little bit behind, all right? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a busy night. I think there was 11 games tonight. Dude, like, there's so much going on. Yeah, yeah, it's every night. It's chaos. It's one chaos. Of my, one of my favorite things is on uh, NBA dot, or NBA TV, like the channel on DirecTV. They yeah. have this, like crunch time nba crunch time and they just take you from game to game right as the games are ending it was like such a fun watch tonight i was just sitting there i'm like oh man i'm seeing the end of this game and this game and this game and then the suns the suns game started i'm like this is fantastic so for those of you don't have direct tv i highly recommend it uh until you have to pay your first bill and then you'll probably cut the cord (laughs) just like matthew did because it's pure and utter bullshit so uh but yeah We'll be going live as per usual once that game ends at, yep. on Friday, right around 7.15, 7.30. Uh, I do have to cover that game for Bright Side of the Sun, so it might be about five extra minutes as I finalize the article for that game. Don't mess up. <laughs> yeah, I'll do, I'll do <laughs> yeah. my best. Okay, yell that in the chat like I do. <laughs> Matthew! Matthew, do use right. verbs. Do it. But uh, anything you uh, you ha- yeah you can tell us uh, you can tell the beer is going down nice tonight. Anything else you have for the Suns Jamster listeners before we depart this evening, Matthew? Yeah, you know I had three things that you guys might have missed, but we covered two of them. The other thing that was number one on my list was the Sarich grip of the goods. Did you see it coming out of a timeout? Sarich really got a honk of his junk. Did you see that? <laughs> it was no. the best. It was the best grab I've seen since um, Stefan Marbury doing it back in the day. I'll never forget that day. But yeah, you got a good chunk of it. So if you want to go back and see highlights, maybe they threw that in there for NBA TV. I don't know, but that was a good one. <laughs> I mean, what did you say? A junk of the trunk? What did you say? A gunk? A chunk of the junk? A chunk of the junk. Of the junk. <laughs> oh, man. That that take was a chunk of junk. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's fantastic. I will. I I guess the final thing I have to say. I don't know how to follow that. Um. I guess the thing. The final thing I have to say uh, is to remind you, Matthew, that we are playing fantasy basketball still, and I'm playing you this week, and I'm up by like 200 points. So yeah, I know. I saw all my guys are out. My whole team is just out this week. You have Killian Hayes, Josh Jackson. Yet you don't know they're they're out of the game. When we do this. <laughs> Kevin Durant, Porzingis, of course, is out. Everybody's out. John Morant. So it's just a screwed up team <laughs> it's just for fun <laughs> we're not playing for money so um i think if if we don't have anything else i think it's time to remind everybody to follow the podcast at sun's jam on both instagram and twitter if you're listening on the bright side of the sun podcast network go ahead subscribe rate and review and stop by our youtube page you can subscribe there you can watch the live streams there as well make sure you smash the like button and you can click the little bell too and let you know when we go live in case you forgot that when a sun's game ends we go live the little bell will remind you uh you can follow me on twitter at darth voida you can follow matthew on twitter at matthew lucy and that's all i have for this episode uh time to go grab a chunk of my junk (laughs) (laughs) all right everyone go home and love your family oh god after that i don't know (laughs) 